Happy New Year, and howdy, 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 and welcome to the Red Dirt Aggie Show. My name's Brian, a.k.a. the Red Dirt Aggie, and I am so excited to be back with you here again today for another episode of the Red Dirt Aggie Show, and looking forward to this year. It's going to be a big year for the podcast, our first full year uh, this year, you know, first time starting this out in January. We started uh, towards the end of the year last year, so uh, it's it's super excited Exciting to have a full year to bring you guys incredible content. Hopefully, uh, when we get to football season next year, we'll have some some more positive things to bring you. Which brings me to my next point: How about Bobby Petrino being hired as offensive coordinator at A and M? We'll talk about that today on the show, as well as uh, Aggie basketball yesterday. Interesting storyline there from the game, but they did manage to get their first conference win. We'll we'll have the breakdown for you. On that, as they uh, defeated the Florida Gators yesterday in Gainesville. But uh, sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy today's show. And today's episode is brought to you by Heritage Pools. Uh, for all your swimming pool needs in the greater Houston, Texas area, give them a call today at 281 896 5061. A swimming pool, swimming pool service and maintenance, all those great things might not be at the front of your mind right now with it being the winter time, but now is the time to give them a call to get your name on the list to go ahead and uh, get an incredible swimming pool put in, get that remodel job done that you've been wanting to get done, or finally start maintaining your pool better so that you'll be ready come swimming season because it'll be here before you know it. Once again, that number is 281 281- Eight nine six five zero six one, and uh, proud to have them as a sponsor here on the show. But our first item of business today is uh, we got to talk about that offensive coordinator that Texas A and M is hiring in Bobby Petrino. And wow, right? That is a uh, it's a high profile hire because of the name, but uh, it's it's not exactly the uh, the candidate that most of us had in mind at A&M that we would have wanted to be hired, right? It's not the kind of candidate that you're like, yeah, it's kind of one you're like, well, maybe, but I don't know, right? And uh, he's he's been tied to, to scandals in the past. We know that from various other programs. Uh, and he's also had success in the past, so it's just going to be what, what side of him are we going to get? And will he be able to galvanize this uh, Texas A&M offense? So a little bit of uh, background on Petrino. Uh, He was born in Lewistown, Montana. Grew up in Helena and graduated from Capitol High in 1979. Where he then attended uh, hometown college, Carroll College, and graduating with a physical education degree and a math minor in 1983. Uh, While he went to school at Carroll, he played quarterback there for the Fighting Saints. And uh, began his coaching career there, too, as a graduate assistant. So uh, later on in, the, in that 1983 season. At the time, his father, uh, by the name of Bob Petrino Sr., was the head coach of Carroll. A position that uh, his father would hold from 1971 to 1999. Now, his, uh, his assistant coaching career, which uh, after a year at Carroll, he moved to to Weber State in the Big Sky Conference at the time, uh, coaching quarterbacks as a graduate assistant under head coach Mike Price. In 1985, he returned back to his alma mater, Carroll College, as an offensive coordinator. 
in each of those two seasons at that position, he had a top-rated offense in NAIA football. He then returned to Weber State for two seasons in uh, 1987 and 88 as a receivers coach under Price. In 1989, he headed to uh, be the quarterback's coach at the University of Idaho under new head coach John Smith and was promoted to offensive coordinator the next season. In 1992, he took a step up the collegiate coaching ladder and headed to D1, which is now uh, considered FBS, right? Division 1A is now FBS. He became the quarterback's coach at Arizona State in the Pac-10 Conference. Remember, this was Pac-10 at the time before they went to Pac-12. During his two seasons at Arizona State under Bruce Snyder, he uh, got to oversee the development of Jake Plummer. And uh, Jake Plummer would go on to play 10 seasons in the NFL, for those of you that don't know. But um, in 1994, he goes and uh, moves to the University of Nevada and is offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach under Chris Alt. During his one season there, uh, Wolfpack were second in the nation in passing offense and total offense, and third in scoring offense. And remember, he's an offensive coordinator at this point, so he's got a high-powered offense going at the University of Nevada. The next year, he began a three-year stint as offensive coordinator at Utah State, reuniting with Smith. Smith moves over to coach Louisville in 1998, and Petrino follows him to be an offensive coordinator. He's there for one season, where the Cardinals were the top-ranked Division 1A scoring team and total offense. They also posted the biggest positive turnaround among any Division 1A football teams, winning six more games than the season before. So Petrino decides to leave the college coaching ranks and head to the NFL in 1997, sorry, in 1998, for about three years. His first stint in the NFL will be for the, with the Jaguars from 98 to 2001. He spends two seasons there as a quarterback's coach and then goes on to be their offensive coordinator. So I don't know if you're starting to sense something here, but he seems to be moving around all through the ranks almost every year. And, you know, early in his career, it's not... A huge deal, but wait until we get a little further on. You'll see his loyalty seems to to be a little uh, nerve-wracking here. But in 2002, he goes back to the college ranks, uh, leaving the Jaguars. He replaces uh, Noel Mazzone as the offensive coordinator under Tommy Tuberville at Auburn. And the offense there would significantly be improved that season under Petrino's watch. So now we get and we look more at his head coaching career. Um, and in 2003, Petrino would return to Louisville as head coach. This is a season following the season following him at Auburn. In 2003, he returns there and he's a head coach now, replacing John L. Smith, who left for Michigan State. He stays at Louisville for only one season, and while there, during the season, he secretly interviewed for the coaching job at Auburn because uh, Auburn was considering whether to retain his former boss, Tuberville. In four years at Louisville, Petrino uh, would build the Cardinals into a national powerhouse. He leads them to 11 wins in 2004 and 12 wins in 2006. Only the second and third time that the Cardinals had won as many as 11 games in a season. 
And to this day, their only appearance in the final top ten of a major media poll was under his watch as head coach. They spent much of 2006 as contenders for the, for the Natty, rising as high as third in the nation before suffering their only loss of the season against Rutgers. And then in 2006, they get invited to the Orange Bowl. That is only the uh, second major bowl appearance that the school has had in school history. So then July 13, 2006, Petrino gets a 10-year, $25.6 million contract extension to stay on as head football coach. Uh, it gave him a raise from $1 million to $1.6 million annually, and he would have been paid $2.6 million in the final year of the deal. The contract included a buyout clause of $1 million. Now, January 7, 2007, less than six months, less than six months after that deal's made, he accepts a head coaching position for the Falcons. So he's like, peace, I'm out. There's another team he's leaving behind, okay? After building success there, they're offering him more money, and he's like, nah, I'm leaving. Falcons bring Petrino to Atlanta with a five-year, $24 million contract. All right, so a little more money. Um, a major reason Petrino was brought in was to develop star quarterback Michael Vick into a more complete quarterback. However, before Petrino's first training camp, uh, that news broke about Michael Vick and the illegal dogfighting. Uh, and basically the terms of his bail, of Michael Vick's bail, they, they prevented him from leaving Virginia before the, uh, the trial. And uh, that, that would end any realistic chance of him playing a meaningful down. And as we know, he didn't return to the league that year. So in a case of exceptionally bad timing, uh, Falcons had just traded Matt Schaub to the Texans um, that season. And so Petrino has to go with his backups, who at the time were Joey Harrington, Byron Lefwich, and Chris Redman. And the Falcons went on. They have an awful season. They're three and they've, they're three and ten at the bottom of the NFC South at one point. And uh, Petrino just resigns and uh, takes the head coaching position at Arkansas. Uh, less than twenty four hours before, he had personally promised uh, Falcons owner Arthur Blank that he would be staying in Atlanta. And he uh, he informed his players uh, that he was leaving Atlanta through a four-sentence laminated note left at the locker of each player. And uh, basically, many in the Falcons organization in the entire NFL really harshly criticized uh, that being the way that he left. Even before he did resign, Petrino had caused unrest in the Falcons locker room with players uh, because he had kind of one of those aloof manners mannerisms to where he's known to walk through the locker room and not speak to any of the players, reluctant to share personnel decisions with players. He just kind of did whatever he wanted to, didn't tell anybody anything. Not not a real great example of leadership. So, something to be concerned with uh, as him being someone that was just hired here at A&M, a place that would certainly need leadership in the locker room. And anyway, let's uh, look ahead to his time at Arkansas, and uh, his time in Arkansas was whew. so. Once Petrino resigned from the Falcons, uh, him and Long negotiated a contract. He's going to get paid two point eight five million a year, five years. Gets extended to seven, 
before Petrino formally signs. Razorbacks go 5-7 and seven in 2008 and with their two conference wins over Auburn and LSU. Razorbacks significantly improve in 2009 uh, under quarterback Ryan Mallett, being one of the most impressive collegiate quarterbacks at the time. Razorbacks uh, even almost upset the number one ranked Florida Gators on October 17th, 2009. And they uh, they continue to enjoy success in the 2010 season, finishing 10-2, and two, um, making their first major bowl appearance in two decades, taking on Ohio State. And they almost managed to win that game, but a last-second interception from Ryan Mallett would, would cause their defeat. But the uh, the thing that a lot of people are going to remember from his time at Arkansas, uh, whether it's uh, the most significant thing on the field that should be remembered, it, it's something off the field that is remembered from his time at Arkansas, and it's the uh, the infamous motorcycle incident. And uh, here it is in a little more detail. In April of 2012, Petrino was involved in a motorcycle crash on Arkansas Highway 16 near the city of Crosses. He's riding with former Arkansas All-SEC volleyball player Jessica Durrell, whom he'd hired on March 28th. And uh, she was a student-athlete development coordinator for the football program after she had served as a fundraiser in the uh, Razorback Foundation. Petrino said he was alone on the motorcycle initially when they asked some questions about it, but on April 6th, Minutes before a police report was to be released showing Durrell was on board, he admitted that Durrell was a passenger uh, and that uh, not only was she a passenger, but they'd been conducting uh, a, uh, we'll just say an adulterous relationship. Uh, He was married with children and uh, she was engaged at the time. And uh, the athletic director would place Petrino on indefinite paid administrative leave, and they investigated. And uh, ultimately, Petrino gets fired because it is discovered that Petrino and Durrell's relationship was an open secret in the football office. And uh, Petrino even sent her gifts, like a $20,000 cash gift, uh, used money to help her buy a new car, uh, all sorts of preferential treatment, uh, including her being hired on the football staff. So after uh, he was done in Arkansas and that whole scandal had unfolded, um, he issued public apologies later on to uh, members that he affected there. Uh, and he tried to move on with his career. And, and uh, on December tenth, 2012, Western Kentucky would hire him as their new head coach to replace Willie Taggart, who departed for South Florida. Signed a four-year contract, had a base salary of uh, 850k annually. If Petrino left early, conditions required Petrino to repay the university 1.2 million in six monthly payments starting the month after he leaves. So it's almost like a reverse, <laughs> a reverse buyout. In Petrino's only season at Western Kentucky, <laughs> he was only there one year. Hilltoppers began with a second straight win over Kentucky, finished with an eight and four record but were not invited to a bowl game. And uh, then he goes back to Louisville. So Charlie Strong goes to Texas, and he returns to Louisville. And 
On January 9, 2014, he officially returned to Louisville at a press conference and was unanimously approved by the University of Louisville Athletic Association. He signed a deal that paid $24.5 million, seven years, with a buyout of $10 million. The best years of that tenure came with Lamar Jackson as quarterback. Lamar Jackson would win the Heisman, and we know about his successful NFL career now. Uh, the Cardinals steamrolled Florida State in uh, 2016, 63-20. At the time, the most points ever surrendered by a Florida State team. The Cardinals regressed, uh, they would regress significantly in 2018. Jackson gave up a senior year in Augusta the draft, and then they're 2-8, uh, including a seven-game losing streak and consecutive losses to Clemson and Syracuse, which would lead to Petrino's firing. Uh, in 2020, he was hired at Missouri State as a the head coach in the F there in the FCS Missouri Valley Football Conference the FCS and they hired him to replace Dave Steckel as their head coach. Now there now in at Missouri State uh, he went five and four and they were selected to compete in the playoffs, which was their first playoff appearance since 1990. So he, in a sense, he had turned that team around. However, the Bears, they did lose in that first round to University of North Dakota, 44. But the fact they were in the playoffs was a significant improvement. In his second season at Missouri State, the Bears went 8-3, and three, earning them another berth in the FCS playoffs with a first-round matchup against UT Martin. They lost that matchup 32-31, to close game. During the 2022 season, uh, they played Arkansas in Fayetteville. Remember his former team, he coached there, you know, the whole scandal. And uh, they came close to pulling off the upset. Arkansas did manage to win 38-27, to but Missouri State led for a large portion of that game. And uh, I remember monitoring the score on that one and being like, oh my goodness, that would be crazy if they could pull it off. Uh, and, you know, they didn't in the end, but wouldn't that have been something? Wouldn't that have been something? So now, the big question is, Texas A&M just hired this guy as their offensive coordinator. We know about the, uh, the the issues with loyalty, some of the potential moral uh, complications if things go awry. But um, there's some other concerns that I have too that maybe aren't getting discussed as much. What about the fact that this guy has been a head coach most of his career and been moving up the ladder most of his career, and now you know he's going to be a coordinator under a very power-hungry head coach as it is. And he, is there going to be a power struggle between Jimbo and him with what they want to do with the offense? Or is Jimbo going to actually take his hands off, like he's saying, and say, go for it, run your offense? Now, also, here's the other issue I have. The offense that Bobby Petrino runs can be a good offense, but so can Jimbo's. They both were excellent offenses 10 years ago. Are they still going to be as effective in the modern era of college football? Maybe. I do know that Bobby Petrino's is more what what the A and M fan base, what we've all been wanting. Get the get the ball out quicker. It's a it's a faster paced offense, right? You've got receivers spread out all over the field. It's kind of like a power spread, spread offense. 
a lot of passing, getting the ball out quick, getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers. And I think that's what A&M needs to do. We have playmakers. They're young. Um, they, they need the ball in their hands to make good things happen and, you know, sort of simplify the offense, modernize it a little more, and see where we can go from there. But what do you all think of Bobby Petrino? Uh, let us know. Um, I'm going to put a, uh, a response on this podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, you'll be able to respond. But um, reach out to us on our social medias. And what do you think about the hire? Is it a good one? Is it a bad one? <laughs> I I don't know personally. I'm kind of on the fence about it. Uh, I think it could be good. I think it could also be horrendously bad. And I don't really think that there's any in between. I think we either look like geniuses or uh, we get made into more of a laughing stock than we were this past season. But as always, Giga Maggies, beat the hell out of everyone, and we'll see what next season has in store for us. So next, what's our next topic? Well, we got to look at Aggie basketball. Yesterday they were in Gainesville, and there, uh, there was an interesting start to the game. The game didn't start on time due to the fact that A&M forgot their jerseys. Uh... I guess whoever was in charge of the jerseys left them at the hotel. Uh, there was a delay to the start of the game. So before the tip-off, uh, Florida actually made a technical free throw. And then there was the tip-off. So prior to tip-off, Florida led 1-0. to zero. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, if we lose by one point, it's going to be because we forgot jerseys. And that's absolutely insane, right? That That would have to be... Just one of the wildest things to happen to Aggie men's basketball this year. And uh, as always, there's some wild things that happen in A&M sports, positive and negative. But that, that would have been pretty ridiculous. As far as the game goes, uh, let's look at our statistical breakdown. And the stat that really jumps off the page for me is uh, the, the turnovers. And Florida had a lot of them. And let me tell you, that's going to make Buzz Williams happy. Uh, that's er- earning your turkeys, right? He's got that statistic for turkeys where when you get stops or forced turnovers, I believe it's three times you get a turkey. Well, there were a lot of turkeys last night with uh, Florida Florida having 20 turnovers. And uh, it's hard to win games when you have that many turnovers. It's it's great to, it's a great way to win games when your defense is uh, stifling like A&M's was last night. And uh, I think that's, that's the kind of team that you expect from – uh, from Buzz Williams, a team that tends to play fundamentally well, gritty like that, which is not uh, what we had seen a lot of lately. And it, it's good to see it back again now that conference play is starting here against this Florida Gator team. And we're 1-0 in conference play now, uh, back in Reed Arena this weekend against LSU. Well, back to the stats from uh, last night's game. Uh, Julius Marble, uh was tied in a three-way tie for leading scorer here for the Aggies with Wade Taylor and Tyrese Boots Bradford, all of them with 17 points. Excellent outing for all of them. Uh, Our leading rebounders, Julius Marple, with uh, six rebounds. And then Dennis had six rebounds as well. Uh, Coleman with three. Washington with four off the bench. Garcia, Obaseki, and Gordon all had three off the bench as well. Uh, Gordon did uh, look like he got hurt there near the end of the game. Uh, there were some other Aggies that would leave the game earlier with injuries but then would eventually return. Uh, be interested to see um, 
if they're on limited minutes next week or how healthy our team ends up being. But uh, the defense looked really good yesterday, again, forcing all those turnovers. Uh, Wade Taylor was 6 for 15, which uh, isn't, you know, incredible shooting, but it means pretty solid. 8 for 14, Julius Marble, though, wow. Um, With 17 points, you know, looking great out there. And uh, Boots, as always, the heart and soul of the team. 6 of 13 from the field. Three rebounds, an assist, um, and 17 points. And he had the crucial um, rebound there near the end. Uh, or actually, no, it wasn't a rebound, rather. He uh, he took a charge um, that, and then uh, hit one of the two free throws that would uh, put us in a position to win the game, to force them to have to take a three-pointer at the end to tie. And so Giga Mags, we beat the hell out of Florida. Uh, this Saturday, they'll be trying to beat the hell out of the LSU Tigers in Reed Arena. Uh, we won't be in attendance for that one, but we will try to make it out to some more uh, basketball games this year for first-hand analysis. I will be at a wedding this weekend. Congratulations to uh, Amanda and Ty, if y'all are listening to this episode. Um, can't wait for it. So... Um, thanks again for listening to the Red Dirt Aggie Show this week on our breakdown of uh, Aggie men's basketball, as well as the uh, the hiring of our um, questionable offensive coordinator. We'll see how he does here in Aggie Land. Uh, this week I uh, marked the return of our songs of the week. Uh, in relation to Texas music. And uh, I kind of went with the theme of the new year. So we have uh, three Texas music songs that all kind of mention the word new year in the title or are about that in some way. And we went with Happy New Year by Parker McCollum, Hell of a Year by Parker McCollum, and New Year's Day by Charlie Robinson. So thanks again for listening. This episode of the Red Dirt Aggie Show, as all episodes are, was presented by Heritage Pools. Give them a call at 281-896-5061. Let them transform your backyard today into an oasis. And uh, they do a great job at that. So give them a call, get a quote. And thanks again for listening. Gigam and God bless. See you next week here on the Red Dirt Aggie Show. Thank you.